tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about trauma. I'll discuss a couple interesting studies about how trauma impacts our ability to regulate our emotions and how not being able to regulate your emotions leads to relapse. 
You'll learn how trauma impacts the way that the brain responds to emotions, how this can lead to addiction, and what you can do to start working on improving your ability to handle negative emotions. So let's dig in. Last week, we talked about how trauma can change the way drugs and alcohol make us feel and how people with a history of trauma may find drugs and alcohol more pleasurable than people without a history of trauma. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, make sure to check it out soon because I talked about a study that found that people who experienced trauma felt pleasure and a high feeling when having morphine compared to a control group who did not experience trauma and they didn't feel any pleasure and only felt dizzy and nauseous. So that's a big difference. This week, I want to talk more about the emotional side of trauma and how that can lead to addiction. Traumatic events change us, whether it's a childhood trauma or a traumatic event that occurred in our adult life. We talk about neuroplasticity a lot on this podcast, and that applies with trauma too. The brain is always adapting and learning from our experiences. If you're interested in this topic, then please go back and listen to episode 46, where I explained how neuroplasticity relates to addiction and recovery. Trauma shapes the way that we think behave, and react to people and the world in general. High levels of cortisol, which is our stress hormone, also impact normal brain development and can make a person more vulnerable to developing addiction. This can negatively impact the areas of the brain that are associated with emotion regulation and not being able to handle negative emotions is a major contributor to addiction. Children who experienced violent forms of maltreatment like physical or sexual abuse or witnessing chronic domestic violence often learn that expressing emotion gets them in trouble. Studies have shown that these kids are more emotionally reactive and use maladaptive coping strategies to deal with negative emotions. And both of these things can lead to addiction issues. Being more emotionally reactive so your feelings are very big and overwhelming and choosing strategies that feel good in the moment but are very self-destructive. Plus, these kids grow up to be adults who have no idea how to handle negative emotions, not only making it more likely that they will develop an addiction, but making it more challenging to stay sober because learning to deal with our emotions is a key component of maintaining sobriety. Studies have found that kids who experience trauma recruit different areas of the brain when attempting to manage negative feelings compared to control groups of kids who have not experienced trauma. So there was one study published recently in 2021 that looked at 160 kids ages 8 to 16, of which 79 of them experienced some form of trauma. So the kids looked at neutral images or age-appropriate negative images and then rated how intense they felt about it on a scale of 0 to 3. The researchers used functional MRI to see the activity of different parts of the brain during the experiment. So the trauma group had more activation of their amygdala, which controls feelings like anxiety and fear, and less activation of their prefrontal cortex, which controls emotion regulation, decision making, and judgment. 
and this was compared to the control group. So the idea is that kids without trauma naturally use their prefrontal cortex to regulate their emotions, but kids with trauma are more used to using the fear and danger areas of the brain than they are using the areas of the brain responsible for cognitive control. So where the rational side of the brain is second nature for people with no trauma, people who have experienced trauma are not as used to using that part of the brain when things come up. So in one part of the study, they asked the kids to look at the images but pretend that they were far away from them. They found that the trauma group had reduced activation of the cingulate cortex during this part of the study compared to controls. The cingulate cortex is involved in complex cognitive functions like empathy, impulse control, emotion regulation, and decision making. So the idea here is that the trauma group is engaging in avoidance behaviors. And a 2015 study found that this was associated with being more emotionally reactive because avoiding things doesn't make them go away. It just allows them to get worse. Some studies use the difficulties in emotion regulation scale to assess participants' ability to control their impulses, have emotional awareness, and accept their emotions. This scale includes statements like, I pay attention to how I feel. I experience my emotions as overwhelming and out of control. I am confused about how I feel. And when I am upset, I believe that wallowing in it is all I can do. Someone taking this assessment would rate these statements as never, sometimes, half the time, most of the time, or almost always. It's thought that relapse occurs when we are faced with situations that we lack the coping skills to deal with effectively. Several studies have found that negative emotions is one of the most prominent factors associated with relapse. Epidemiological studies and treatment outcome studies have found that negative emotions like stress, anxiety, anger, depression, loneliness, and boredom predict desire to drink and how much someone will drink. A 2009 study found that causing stress and negative emotions in alcohol-dependent patients increases urges to drink and the expectation that they would feel relief after drinking. So learning to deal with negative emotions in a constructive way is critical for maintaining our sobriety. Because if you don't know what to do when you encounter stress or a negative feeling, you're going to be triggered to drink. And if you don't know what else to do besides drink, then it's going to be really hard to resist. And it's not just that we can't deal with our emotions either. Studies have found that people who struggle with alcohol also struggle with self-awareness and identifying emotions correctly. And the less capable someone is of managing their emotions and understanding them, the more cravings they will experience. Emotional intelligence is a skill that we all need to develop in our sobriety, but especially if you have experienced trauma. Trauma impacts the brain to make it even harder for us to regulate our emotions. So if you have a history of trauma, especially childhood trauma, then you may have more work to do to learn to manage emotions in a healthy way, but it is possible to get there. A 2011 study looked at emotion regulation and severity of alcohol dependence. 
This study involved 116 participants who were in treatment for alcohol use disorder for an average of 98 days. So the researchers used the Emotion Regulation Skills Questionnaire, or ERSQ, which is a 27-question self-reporting questionnaire that uses a five-point scale from zero being not at all to four being almost always. Participants who drank during treatment had significantly lower emotion regulation scores at pre-treatment than the other participants. They found that a one-unit increase on the ERSQ corresponded to a 48% reduction of the likelihood for drinking during treatment. So just a tiny improvement in emotion regulation makes a 48% difference for whether your treatment will be successful or not. The researchers checked the participants' ERSQ again at the end of treatment and followed up three months later. Participants who drank had significantly lower scores than participants who remained sober. In this phase of the study, a one-unit increase on the ERSQ corresponded to a 64% reduction of the likelihood of drinking during the three-month follow-up period. If you're interested in looking at this questionnaire, I will have it linked in the show notes and I'll send it out in my weekly email too. And if you don't get emails from me, you can sign up in the show notes. So just a tiny improvement in your ability to manage your emotions can make a huge difference in whether you stay sober or not. So yes, it may be a long road to go from being emotionally reactive and overwhelmed to being self-aware and in control of your emotions, but each small improvement you make on the way reduces the likelihood that you will go back to drinking. So that's really empowering. Very small improvements make a big difference. For trauma specifically, a 2010 study looked at emotion regulation difficulties in 616 trauma survivors with PTSD. They found that PTSD symptom severity was significantly associated with emotion regulation difficulties, especially for people with childhood chronic interpersonal trauma, meaning things like chronic emotional, physical, sexual, or psychological abuse in childhood. So trauma that involved another person. People with chronic childhood trauma scored higher on the emotion regulation difficulty scale compared to people who had single event trauma or adult chronic trauma. Clarity of emotions was the most difficult thing for people with chronic childhood trauma. So this is the ability to understand what you are feeling and why you are feeling this way. So basically self-awareness. Trouble in this area is common for people who struggle with addiction too and leads us to feel overwhelmed and out of control frequently. If emotions are difficult for you, whether you have a history of trauma or not, then this is something that you need to put serious work in. There will always be unexpected negative things that pop up in our lives. And if you can't handle things like this and you always feel overwhelmed and out of control, then you are much more likely to drink it away or pick up some other self-destructive type of coping. Recognizing that this is challenging for you is the first step to improving it. 
I recommend that everybody work with a therapist because a therapist will help you make connections that you're unable to see yourself. We're too close to our own lives and things can be too overwhelming for us to fully understand. A therapist can help you learn why you react and feel the way you do and help you with strategies for handling emotions in the future. I've done a lot of work in therapy on my anger, which is still a struggle for me, but I would just have anger appear out of nowhere. And it was such an overwhelming, powerful feeling that I could barely even function. And through therapy, I learned why I feel angry and understanding why I'm feeling that way helps me accept it and relax about it. But when you're so angry and you feel out of control and you don't understand, it's so much easier to accept that trigger of wanting to drink and act on it. I think that developing our emotional intelligence is the most important work we have to do in our sobriety. If you feel constantly overwhelmed and triggered by life, then you're going to crave alcohol a lot. We know that alcohol relieves these emotions and makes us forget. And that's factual. Those things are true temporarily. So it's natural to have intense cravings for alcohol when you're feeling something negative. If you can learn, though, to identify and manage your triggers, then you will reduce the amount of cravings you have to struggle through. Emotions don't have to be overwhelming and make you feel out of control. And remember from the studies that we talked about, even just a small improvement in your ability to manage your emotions makes a huge impact, 50% or more, on the risk that you will go back to drinking. So if you don't go to therapy already, I hope that this has convinced you to at least consider it. And if you don't know how to find a therapist and you're in the U.S., please reach out and I will give you some guidance. I have a resource that can help you find someone. And I will talk to you next week. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.